Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. As we continue with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, today we come to uh, the very passage that Pastor Walt was covering on this Sunday when he was talking about this idea of a, a values gap, a gap between what we uh, truly want and, and where we actually are at the time. Uh, we're going to be looking at the, the person of John the Baptist. The last time we saw him, he was uh, a baby in a womb, uh, in Elizabeth's womb, who is jumping for joy at the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. But we're going to see now that John is a full-grown man and is on a mission. And we're going to talk about that message in his mission today. So we're in Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, where we read this. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. And his brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in, living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh... John the Baptist is uh, not very skilled in PR, apparently. He would have failed a marketing class. Uh, but as I said, uh, he's, uh, uh, we're finally seeing him as an adult, not as a, a pre-born child. And like other great figures, Luke kind of introduces him by giving us his historical context, by noting who is ruling at the time, which is really very fortunate for us because it allows us to put a pretty precise date on, on John's ministry. Um, and this political landscape again, highlights this tension between two kingdoms uh, that we talked about before. Uh, you know, there's this kingdom of this world with all its apparent power, and then there's the kingdom of God, which is invading the kingdom of this world and setting up a new kind of kingdom, new uh, new way of living and calling for allegiance. And as we talked about before, this is something that requires a choice from us. But this kind of war is not, you know, it, it's dangerous to use this word war because it's different than the wars that, that we wage. It's, this is not a war of violence, but it's one that's waged through grace and truth and love. In many ways, it's more helpful, I think, to think of it as a revival more than a revolution. And John the Baptist is here preparing the way. And, uh, and if we remember back to Isaiah, this is coming from this prophecy is coming from Isaiah 40 uh, verses three through five, I think it is. And it's part of a larger prophecy about the Lord returning to Israel when Israel returns to the Lord. And so John is prepared, preparing the way for the coming of the Lord to Israel. Uh, but the situation is pretty dire. Um, 
uh, John actually greets them. He says, you brood of snakes. And again, John is not really good at PR here, apparently. And yet at the same time, he's very successful. And these people have come to John because they are afraid. Uh, and part of it, I think, is because of the political situation at the time. Rome had ruled Israel for 100 years, but it was only in the last 20 that Rome had taken direct control of Judea and Jerusalem. And, and now there were Roman soldiers living permanently, garrisoned permanently on, on Jewish soil, on Israel's soil. And so this was a lot of tension. There were there were assassins in the streets. They were talking about you know potentially messianic uh, uprisings, revolutionaries. And, and John, the, again, he does nothing to alleviate any of their anxieties. He just... He, he speaks right into them. He says that even their security blanket of being uh, born of children of Abraham, they're thinking that, well, at least we're children of Abraham. We've inherited all these promises. And and John says, no, you're, if, you're, if you're not truly spiritual children of Abraham, as well as just physical children, then this counts for nothing. If you haven't truly repented, then your spiritual, line, your physical lineage will mean absolutely nothing. And instead, the axe stands ready to chop at the roots of the tree. And so in all of this, John tells them that you need to be not only baptized as a symbol of repentance, but you actually need to be living out the fruit of this repentance. Um, it, it suggests, uh, the context I think suggests that John is really laying into them that everyone, including those of Israel, need to repent, to be baptized as a symbol of that repentance, and to live in such a way that their lives are in keeping with the rep repentance to God that they claim to have made and the forgiveness they claim to have received uh, from God. And we're going to get into tomorrow, like how people respond to John's message. But one thing I, I think is really clear here is that John is presenting people with a very stark and real choice. We talked a little bit before about this idea that there are these two kingdoms. Well, John is putting an exclamation point on that, saying there's this kingdom of this world that, that you're fleeing from. You know enough to flee from it. But I'm telling you also that you have to choose and actually live in this alternative kingdom that you know John is preparing the way for, that the Lord is going to bring. But there is this choice that we really need to make. And, and John puts it in stark terms to prepare to prepare us to receive Christ. So anyway, that's kind of where I see John's message in this. And it come, he comes on like a, like a freight train. He comes on really strong, but it, it seems that he's being very effective and the message is getting through because people continue to gather to see him and hear this message. Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage. Well, first of all, I, you know, you've said that, uh, you know, he was not very good at PR. Um, I, I would actually counter that because we, we don't see it as much here in Luke. Uh, but we learn in the other Gospels, uh, in Matthew in particular, right, that people from all over Jerusalem, Judea, the whole surrounding countryside, like people are coming in droves. So PR, he had worked out. Uh, actually, I would say that kind of, you know, the, if PR, you're trying to get uh, attention, it's about, you know, playing to people's like anger and fear and emotion. Well, he's got that nailed. Uh, charm school, he would have flunked. Uh, <laughs> but PR school, I think he would have got an A. Um in any case, the uh, I you know I I'm so um, as I, I I can't today read this passage without uh, Pastor Walt's sermon from last Sunday ringing in my ears, because if you have not if you missed that sermon I know a lot of you traveling and whatever you know holidays if you missed it go back and watch it because it was so good on this very passage uh, and he just went and had so much more time that we're gonna have here. Uh, but a couple of things that he pointed out that I think are, are just so good. The first one uh, that 
you know, these crowds are coming for baptism, but where has John gone to do baptizing, right? You can do baptism in any kind of water, theoretically. Um, but the whole idea is that he's gone back to the Jordan, which was that that last, right? There's those three great baptisms kind of in, in Old Testament history uh, that, that all future baptisms are replaying. And what the final of those three is the people going down into the Jordan, stepping into the Jordan River as they're trying to cross into the promised land for the first time. And in a sense, what John is doing here is bringing them back to the Jordan and saying, all right, let's try this again. I think, I think maybe we missed something here. Uh, and, and that there's, you know, there's a, a way that we, that, um, you know, our, our ancestors were baptized, but we were not, we have not experienced that, that same repentance, that same trust in God, you know, new life in, in, that, uh, that, that our ancestors received. And so, that's where he's now calling them back to do that. Uh, and, and so that's why baptism here is so rich, is it's not just, you know, we think of that as sort of an arcane, you know, sort of an otherworldly act, like what, what, how do we get baptism? But it was them literally going into the water that would seem like it's going to sweep them over, you know, kind of like take them under. And yet then God stops water, makes it possible for them to pass through. And God, you know, in what looks like it will be the, the, the cause of death, is actually now sort of the occasion of new birth. Uh, and it's after each one of these baptisms in the Old Testament, he's passing through water, that then God makes a new covenant, right? So you got um, you know, Noah, uh, the, the flood, right? That's a baptism. Uh, it's You've got the Exodus, you know, going through the, the Red Sea, a baptism. And at the end of each one, God says, you know, I'll make a new covenant with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. Uh, and, and now John's inviting these people back. Hey, let's do that again. Right, I, I think you guys have missed this. Um, the the you brood of snakes that he's calling the uh, some of the the, the crowds. Um, I, I had never heard. I just had never made this connection until Pastor Walt made it in his sermon. Um, but he, he's really actually going back to Eden, right? It, that the, it's the the serpent in the garden is the one who starts questioning God, fighting for God, you know, questioning God's reliability, questioning God's character, questioning God's care. Uh, he's the one, instead of talking to God, he's the first one who starts talking about God. And and uh, in, in a way that was a little bit disparaging, and in fact, then incites the Adam and Eve to think, hey, maybe we can maybe we can be our own gods. We can do this ourselves. We don't need, need God. We, we can decide for ourselves what's good. And, and they, he's saying, you like there there's one serpent but you're like this whole brood of of serpents right there's a whole bunch of you doing speaking these lies and i think again like how much is that true in probably every culture of every age uh surely in our culture in our age where people are routinely telling these lies up that suggest that we can be our own gods and that we got to be cautious about whether we could really trust god to care or or, or, or be able to, to provide for us. And so as part of baptism, he's saying, you gotta, you gotta put all that to death and now come and have a fresh, be washed and be reborn as the children of God. That there's gotta be a, a, a repentance that's more than just something I say when I'm standing by the, the shores of the Jordan. It's actually gotta now show up into my entire life. And of course, that's what we're gonna get into tomorrow as we look at this passage, you know, the next part of this passage, you can say, what does it look like when you actually start taking seriously the lordship of God in your life. And I, I think there's so many Christians today who have confessed Christ. At one point, we were baptized. We said, yes, I'm in. But our lives daily, 
are not saying that we're in. Instead of being the, you know, the, the, the children of God, we're being more like the snakes who are questioning God and casting aspersions and doubts. Uh, and I, I think that's where the, this invitation that John is making to the people of Israel is actually the invitation that is made to all of us, that, that each day we need to choose to follow Jesus again. Each day we need to be reborn and renewed and, and affirm our dependence on God, all right, our allegiance to God. It doesn't matter what happened in the past if it's not still true in the present. And so that's where, you know, kind of the thing we all say in the covenant, nobody remembers their birth, the day of their birth, right? We, but, but our present life is proof that it happened. In the same way, it's our spiritual life today is the proof of the rebirth that happened all those years ago. Uh, and if I'm not spiritually alive today, then I might question exactly what did happen all those years ago. Uh, but it's got to be this present every day, right? Today is a new day, and I've got to follow Jesus today. Yeah, that, that idea of having proof of life. And, of course, there's there are going to be some people who are so um, introspective and self-doubting that, that that can easily be turned as a weapon against themselves. And so I, I like to at least say that the, the continual desire to have this life lived out uh, in the present, not just in the past. And so it's not something that we necessarily have, you know, attained and held on to, but there's that continual desire to keep moving forward, even if we haven't gotten there yet. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Well, can I close with some prayer for today? That'd be wonderful. Let's pray together. Lord, we need every day to be cleansed Every day there are new things that arise in me and in all of us that need to be put to death, that need to be drowned in the waters of baptism. God, I pray that today that each of us would be willing to be washed afresh. God, that we would be cleansed by your spirit alive in us. And God, that we would become once again your children, that we would be reborn that our dependence on you would be reaffirmed. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us in that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. I really do hope that you're going to be able to join us again tomorrow as we finish this passage and look at the response of the crowds to John's message. Go in peace. <laughs>